0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning. Didn't have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like
0: usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Um, Saving this spot for the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. Uh
1: to 170 that was money i think it's down right over there 10 yards
2: Woo! whitetail legacy podcast bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy
1: that og real dream whitetail legacy wednesday coming at you we got jonathan on today uh Covering mountain turkeys from way eastern Tennessee, um, go into a lot of tactics of how he's calling these birds. They are eastern birds, which I did not know. Learned that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uses a lot of different tactics in the mountains. I think Mark's gonna like this episode quite a bit. I was thinking about him. Yeah. When we I, listened th- to like it,
2: the whole episode, I was uh, like, I wonder what Mark's doing. Yeah. You know, in this situation.
1: Yeah. And uh, we also get to dig into the VIP calls a little bit. So you guys will get to hear a little bit about that, and you'll get to hear them run for the first time. Let's get into our partners that make this possible. We're going to start off with VIP. As you guys know, VIP has the turkey call, pot call out right now. Um, VIP special edition all american made veteran made product um me and homie may have got a first round pick customized may have um of the product and it's awesome man Uh, double-sided call um shout out to matt and cindy for making that happen for us that was a huge surprise we had no about matt's been hinting that he's got <laughs> stuff going on for a month and, I know, he, he's and with, he got he's us with. but we got him good in this episode <laughs> right you wait for it Matt. it's coming <laughs> hardcore bro um but yeah you got the vip shout out i do uh <laughs> this week's vip veteran
2: broadhead shout out is adam danger destroy uh he was wounded in 08 and he co-founded Hookset brothers combat recovery with another wounded veteran And they found their own peace through the outdoors and decided to share their own experiences in outdoor therapy with other vets. So, Adam, um, everybody here at Whitetail Legacy, BIP, and Matt and Cindy, thank you for your service and your enthusiasm to share it with other vets.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Adam. We appreciate everything you do for us and for veterans. Um, If you guys want to check out the vip line of calls it is on their website and you can also contact matt directly through the facebook page his number is there to order your calls to get them before turkey season because it is coming up quick and that's why we did this episode and released it first um let's get into scent lock <clears throat> we're going to cover the base layer it has the same carbon alloy to combat extreme odor production um, and it has a comfort stretch technology that's 360 degrees stretch for your base layer. Um, it's also super warm and uh, really smooth and and lightweight for how for how warm it is. A heavy base layer is kind of something I don't like. And then also I don't like a tight base layer because I got some of that. Like my <laughs> right. sister bought me some, and it is almost too tight. You know, what Nut I mean, hugger. yeah, yeah. So they got the base layer going on check it out um ecw ECW calls um we were just at uh elmwood with them his custom duck call line individually through the year that was something very special that he puts a lot of work in their Mm. call the calls would never be duplicated ever in their life no
2: and one thing i liked about it this year is he put that nice polyurethane finish on the calls yeah and it just gave it that extra pop Mm -hmm. so i really like that addition this year
1: yeah ingram's outdoor obsession all your taxidermist needs check him out on facebook and instagram if you're around our local area uh, message us and we'll get you the deets on his work and where you can find him
2: yeah, that's deets, not deeks, as what John says. As oh, yeah, tricky decoys.
1: And, and we're trademarking deeks as decoys. So don't ever, no. No cool us, kids can take it. Us and John are the only people that can yeah. say that. no cool kids allowed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, hope you enjoy the show. We got Jonathan on. It's Jonathan Scholl, or how do you say your last name?
3: Uh, Scholl, S-H-U-L-L.
1: Scholl, I got it right for a change. There, there you man. go. <laughs> um, so we appreciate coming on. We know it's late out on the eastern uh, time zone there, uh, but we appreciate you giving us the time to come on. We're excited to talk to you about mountain turkeys. That's really cool. Homie's a huge turkey hunter. I like turkey hunting quite a bit, and your techniques are going to really intrigue me, I can tell. So um, kind of just give a an introduction where exactly you live and what your day job is.
3: I'll tell you guys, I'm uh, from East Tennessee. I'm the farthest northeast tip in Tennessee you can get, located in the Southern Appalachians. I've been born and raised here. I've um, hunted these birds since I was about 16 years old, and I'm 40 now, so I've been at it for quite a while. Um, during the day, I am a professional call maker. I make calls for Appalachian Custom Calls. I'm a call maker and owner, and I've recently gotten involved with another amazing company that i'm making calls for and they talk about that a little bit more later
2: that sounds good to me um <clears throat> did you want to
1: go what what do you got <laughs> <laughs> all right so i don't know what homie was just doing there he was trying to reach for a beer about knocked over the whole system
3: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a party foul right <laughs> there yeah.
1: he's like you want to you want to hand me that <laughs> so uh <laughs> So you're hunting Appalachian Mountain turkeys. So I want to go into kind of the, the – kind of to get into some details of what you're doing. But just as a generality, of what are those – are they eastern birds there still?
3: Yes, sir. We're hunting uh, – these are easterns here located in Tennessee. Um, and our terrain is a little bit different, you know, than most people would think. We can, elevations go up to a little over 4,000 feet, and we drop down into the 2,500 range um very drastic elevation changes we have crop fields hardwood flats of course hardwood ridge tops we have a lot of uh cow fields that we like to get into which the birds work very heavily And a lot of those are located on these mountains and uh, make for some pretty difficult terrain and pretty difficult trek but interesting hunting all together
1: yeah so if they're if they're in the mountains go about how you're locating these birds like around here we go out to kind of known roosting area, do an owl call. But I feel like on a mountain ridge, I mean, do they roost in the same areas or kind of go into detail on that?
3: Well, it just depends on really the terrain you're hunting and the pressure, uh, what the birds prefer. You know, birds have their own attitude. And uh, what we like to do here, we'll get on the opposite ridges if possible. And that way we don't have to deal with the echo of being in the hollow down below it or trying to judge that bird from the same ridge it'll give us a little bit more of a clue and like you guys we use an owl hoot a lot and uh, a lot of us have a success off of uh, <clears throat> peacock whistles around here and crow calls during the midday but i like to take it a little bit farther if that bird won't answer to that owl we're uh overpopulating coyotes pretty bad so you give a coyote how and usually get that bird to fire up but it seems that they do roost in the same spots. Usually they roost in the general same area. As long as the food is there and the pressure is not too high, those birds really have no reason to move.
1: Nice. Yeah, it- that's something that we might need to try to do is get a coyote howler. That's something that I don't normally do no. to try to locate them.
3: Well, so- I'll tell you, um, my son, I've got my six-year-old son's trained to slout just to see what it would do as a locator. and I'll tell you, it's might be a gimmick, but it worked really well. Just a children's, child's train whistle. Oh, really? Amazing locator, yes huh. sir.
1: That's a next level tip. Yeah. I think I got one of those from the train ride for BNSF. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. the
3: little triangle one? Yeah. There you yeah, go. Yes. There yeah. you go, yeah. simple as that. Nice. Great locator call. Uh, you could even use, I've, I've had birds uh, gobble to a goose call. Hmm. I've had geese fly over and just send birds into a frenzy, make them shot gobble like crazy.
2: So, when you're trying to locate these birds, and, and you said that you're going to be on top of the ridge to uh, avoid the echo, yes. are, you're obviously not getting picked off um, being up there, or otherwise you wouldn't keep doing
3: it. But Well, you, you never skyline yourself. You always stay under that ridge top. Okay. You stay down off the ridge top and you don't give those skylines away. Um, we, we're covered in a lot of undergrowth here, something known as mountain laurels. It's almost like a wild rhododendron. These birds will work and position around these laurels and you can usually work through the laurels and get a little bit closer to the birds and not be located and identified as easy. Okay. So it kind of gives us a little bit of an advantage at some points, but just like any other turkey, they get educated the more they're hunted and they'll start looking in these areas and start getting wary of them. So we like to mix it up. We'll locate from maybe one knob one week and then maybe another knob another week just to keep them guessing. And we'll approach them from different directions too to try to keep the birds not expecting the same thing that they get every day.
1: Nice. So I, I'm, I'm not very knowledgeable about the Tennessee laws. What, how long is your guys' season and how many birds are you allowed to, to shoot?
3: Our season is uh, roughly 45 days. It comes in the last weekend of March and runs through the second weekend of May. And we have a season total of four bearded birds per year, but you cannot exceed one bird per day. Huh. And we get full day of hunting with no new restrictions.
1: Nice. Oh. Man, yeah, you guys are turkeys all over. Yeah, you can get
3: some hunting <laughs> in out there. That's
1: cool. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. I, I, if,
3: uh, if time allows it away from the shop, I like to spend every day I can hunting.
1: Nice. Yeah, we're so limited on time and pretty much we have a weekend to get it done if yeah. you work and unless you buy tags and it's just it's a it's it's hard you know i grew up in missouri where you have like the 40 day season you know and you it just seems like you have so much more availability to go so that would be a game changer. and then hunting all day that'd be super nice if you knew where they was exactly. risk to try to catch them coming back up the ridge you know from the and fields
3: you can give them time to work and give the time birds to calm down and not have to pursue them so hard yeah that's another sure. thing i love about it
2: well, then you got the perfect excuse to go hunting every day. you'd be like, well i I made a new call. I'm just gonna go try it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I gotta do this honey this is this is for the company. I gotta go try this call out
3: <laughs> well, i I'm a fortunate man. my wife's also a turkey hunter, so uh I don't really have to look for excuses to go hunting. I nice. just have to make sure she has her camo ready as well.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
2: Yeah, could you imagine eight birds in the freezer? That'd Man, be that'd sweet. that'd be nice. That'd be real nice. Guys, so.
3: I'm going to tell you, birds don't make it to the freezer at my house. We love them so much. <laughs> a bird gets killed, it gets eaten that day. Yep. Nice.
1: Yep. Perfect. I I put mine in the freezer, and then my wife eats it while I'm on the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, so uh, the, the mountain birds... I'm assuming that they call a little bit different. Are they real call shy or, or just kind of go into the, the details of maybe calling the mountain birds?
3: Well, I'll tell you, a lot, of people, um, a lot of people have different techniques for calling them. Um, the farther in the season, obviously, the more call shy they get because the more they've been called to. But it seems a lot of our birds here, we don't have as many turkey hunters in my general area as most of the state so the birds here usually answer calls very very well uh in these hollows and on the hills here we we experience a lot of winds so loud calling is predominantly you know done here but you get getting a nice subtle hollow i like to call soft a lot of folks don't these birds don't expect you to call soft and hit those small feeding chatters those whines, the purrs and the putts um it's just you got to mix it up a little bit with these birds. You got to be expecting anything. Sometimes they'll get, these birds get really hung up because we have an overpopulation of hens. And a lot of times I'll quit calling to a Tom and I'll try to see what that hen's doing and try to call to her.
1: Yeah, and I've heard that a lot too.
3: I catch myself using a Kiki key key more and more in the spring every year, calling to these hens whenever these birds do get a little bit more shy and get henned up. Hmm. So, I mean, it's a. Uh, it's, it's a variety. It's a mixed bag of calls. You could throw at them. But calling them is no, really no different than a, probably calling a bird in Missouri. You know, you, you're dealing with Easterns and you're going to hit the same notes have the same calls. You just have a lot different terrain that you're trying to call through trying to call through the wind. I mean, it's, it's a challenge in its own.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. One good thing about Easterns, they got that loud, deep, gobble i've heard once you get out west or down south they don't have near as as loud as a gobble as Easterners and, do so out there with the wind and the ridges i think it'd be hard to locate them off a gobble
3: it, it can be it can be very very hard especially if you have a bird echoing off the mountain if he's echoing and that echo is bouncing back you just really have a hard time pinpointing on where the exact spot was so that's the reason we try to get up to level with them with these ridges and sometimes even above them so we're not dealing with that bouncing back to us. We can get it whenever it hits the ridge.
1: Yeah, that would make sense because, I mean, if you're – like here, if if we got like – we call it like a draw, you know, if you got like a, a draw in the timber – most of the time you can tell if he's in the draw or over the draw, but if it's like yes. draw, 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 mm-hmm. you know, ridge, it would be really hard to tell, well, he's two ridges over or he's four <laughs> ridges over, you know what I mean? It'd be it'd be hard for me to tell, but I could see how if you get to the same height, you know, you can tell what he's on this ridge or he's over the next one.
3: Exactly, and sometimes uh, another subject group is going to hit, you know, that bird gets fired up enough, he's going to leave that ridge he's on. He's going to make his way to you, except quickly. He will fly to you. He will jump off that ridge and come to you, very fast.
1: So you're saying if you're <laughs> on one ridge calling and he might be a ridge or two over, he's going to just jump those ridges and not go down and up. He's just going to fly straight
3: across. He, as much as a turkey hates to fly, he's a guy. The urge hits him bad enough, and that, she sounds <laughs> he's pretty. He's going to do whatever he's going <laughs> to do. What he's got to do to get to that female. For and sure. uh, I mean it's happened to me more times than one. I've been calling, you know, and on a windy day trying to penetrate that wind to get my call out, and it sounds like a seven forty seven coming over. And here's this Tom hitting a pasture field. I mean, coming in looking like a bowing coming in for a landing on the runway. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, no warning, no nothing. These birds will jump ridges on you. Same same thing on the opposite end. You spook that bird and he jumps off that ridge there's a good chance you're not going to see that bird again because he's going to move territory.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, here they they got to go through an open field or something, but if they could just pop a mountain ridge and be on the other side, that would be terrible to be oh. able to – because sometimes if you spook a bird here, there's a possibility you can get around and get in the front of him, mm-hmm. but there there's
3: he's gone, you know what I mean? Oh, he's gone. By the time you can't jump the ridge like, ridge like he can. <laughs> no, sir. You can't keep up with that. That bird's moving 40 miles an hour compared to your three to four miles an hour walking. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lost cause.
2: Something I want to go back to is, you know, you said that you'll kind of hit these birds with a soft calling. Um, yes. Are you finding it easy to over to these birds or is it something that you've just kind of learned over the years of hunting them?
3: Well, that's something I've learned over the years of hunting by overcalling these birds. I, um, being a call maker, you know, you think I would say hit the call more, blow mm-hmm. the call more, but in these situations, a lot with these birds right here, less is more. If you let them know you're there with a, just a couple of standard hen yelps, and then get soft, get into the feeding pairs, grab the leaves and stroke them a little bit while he still weighs away before he can see it. Just other things, those little subtle sounds that birds are making at all times. A turkey makes sound, I mean, whether he's feeding, whether he's walking, you will get sounds out of a turkey every few minutes. So if you mimic those sounds that other hunters aren't making, that the birds are making,
4: mm-hmm.
3: you kind of got to leg up with that too. But, you know, with any other situation, you got to use that louder calling to work command to the range where they can hear that soft call. Yeah.
1: That's something yeah. I think I struggle with is overcalling. I tell myself not to do it, but if a bird, like, if a bird hasn't responded to me in a couple of minutes, I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> right? you know, I, I, I know he's coming.
3: But... yeah, I think we're all guilty of that. I still catch myself doing it after 20 some years now.
2: And uh, that that's something as I've really researched on you know calling turkeys the the past couple of years and really started applying it while I'm out in the field. It's just like Cody said, you know, you're you're used to him hitting right back, hitting right back, and yeah. I, I've kind of got to the point to where I've started telling myself, you know, he's just working towards me. You know, that's the only thing I can tell myself to not pick up the call is he's working towards me. He's working down that draw. He's thinking about his next move to get up here, and exactly he's thinking about exactly where I'm at to get up here and get to me without spending a whole bunch of energy. So that's the one exactly. thing that, that's, you know, helped me – not overcall and that's one thing I've kind of stressed to myself the last couple years is to not overcall. Well
3: you know you can't remind yourself enough of that. Once you get that bird struck and he gobbles that first time, what I like to do, I'll lay off for a few minutes and see if he gobbles back on his own to get me to call again. Right. To look for that hen. Once he does that I'll hit that call again but just for a couple of, couple of notes. And once that's done, if he gobbles again and he's closer I usually try to put that call down and listen for that bird to keep coming, keep coming with my eyes peeled the whole, you know, watching.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: But if he seems to get hung up or he's not coming, that's where I pull that soft call out. I'll hit the purrs, I'll hit the clucks, just the soft feeding whines, scratch the leaves a little bit, and that usually really a lot stroke of them in. Really stroke them in, trigger that response. You know, if that bird is not hinned up or hung up by a natural obstacle some kind of natural barrier a good chance if he's not been spooked before he's going to work in pretty easy yeah for sure
2: that's something i gotta do is start getting the leaves in there because i mean every time you see a turkey in the woods yeah. you know it's scratching i no, mean it, making it's noise. making noise they ain't quiet uh, animals by any means
3: mm-hmm. no i'll tell you a little tip on that you know most of us wear six pocket bdu pants Next time your wife goes to the grocery store, grab a couple of her grocery bags, throw them in the pocket of that BDU pants without making a lot of movement or noise, you can get that same crunch with those grocery bags in the pocket. Oh, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, tip. That's,
2: yeah. yeah that's real good.
3: Yeah. Uh, Mr. Randall Haley, uh, Tennessee, he's a legend around the state of Tennessee, a songwriter and turkey hunter. He passed that knowledge on to me a few years back, and it's been one of the greatest little tools in the world for me.
1: Nice. One thing I did last year, I had a bird that didn't want to respond and I didn't want to overcall him, but he was really subjected to shot calling. So I would yeah. shot call him with a crow and he would respond and I'm like, "Okay, it's closer." And I just did that instead of and then I had the natural crows calling making him shot gobble off my crow calls. So it was working in my favor, but I did very little turkey calling to him other than their first initial response. Uh just cause he would not respond and I called him off a hunt club. And was it was third season?
2: No, it was wow. second. It was
1: second season. So I knew that he had been hunted a lot and he'd been called to a lot already. So I was like, I'm not gonna call a lot to this bird at all. And he right. came in, never never gobbled one time out in the middle of a field, was half strutting, real timid, and uh the only the thing that made me kill that that turkey was the crow call making me realize that he was coming in right because if you sat there for 30 minutes you're like this birds never coming if i would have got up he would have been on the edge of the field and i just and couldn't see it him because of the little, little crest so
3: yes yeah well you know that 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 makes a lot of sense of what i said less is more
1: yeah for you sure you got away
3: from what everybody was doing with that hammering hammering you know the crow call that is very interesting to me that's something i'm gonna have to look more into but uh, he could have associated that crow with food. Yeah. You know, a murder of crows, they'll call like crazy whenever they find something good to eat. And just like any other bird, they pay attention to other birds. But the less calling that you done, that spoke more volumes. You know, he you let him know you was there with that initial blast. But then you backed off for the other hunters that was probably in that club. We're just hammering that bird and making him shy. Yeah. So you appeal to that bird's taste more than what he had been uh, made aware of and the cautions he had already a turkey can remember i mean a lot of folks don't realize that but I, i really believe a turkey can remember things very well
2: so just like cody was saying you know that turkey never gobbled when he got in the wide open field and that's something that i've noticed too um my place has kind of got three sets of timber and east and a west and a middle and it's all divided by agriculture field so yeah. is, is that something that you've kind of noticed too like that you're set up on the field edge and that turkey knows you're in the field or uh, you know on the field edge and when he shows up in the field and he you know say you're not running decoys you're just you know running gunning it mm-hmm. When when he shows up in the field and he doesn't see anything, do you find that they're not gobbling when they get out there?
3: Well, it just depends on really how hot that bird is. Um, We went through a season here where the birds were very tight-lipped. I honestly don't know what causes that. It seems that from the beginning of the season for us to the end of the season, the gobbles were just so far and few between. The birds would strut, the birds would work, but they would not come in with a sound so that is that is something that I've honestly had some experience with, but I have to research more okay
2: I didn't know how much how much you know agriculture you guys had out there if you had been able to hunt the the fields a lot or
3: we do have uh, we do have quite a bit of agriculture and we do get tons of fields but you know if that bird is alone and he's starting that field edge mm-hmm. a fence row or woodline or something he we get a lot of gobbles like that. But what she was mentioning, he gets out in the middle of that field and he's alone. He sees no decoy or nothing. Usually, that bird's not going to stick there long unless he is on a food source.
2: Yeah, and
3: I he... mean you won't you won't get nothing out of him. It's hard to do, which is we resort to fanning where we hunt private land a lot. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of success with that as well.
1: Yeah, homie yeah. tried some of that
2: last year. I'd like to get I'd like to get one down like that. I, that would just be like almost number
3: one on my list to do. Oh, I tell you, I've been fortunate enough to take two birds fanning, and it is a rush. It is oh, like yeah. anything I've ever done.
2: Um, but but it's, it's
3: dangerous. I will say, you know, know where you're going to do it at. Make sure you're the only one on the land. Make sure it's private land. Take every precaution because it's it's very dangerous to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Check your state laws, especially. Uh, I know that some states have been outlawing fanning birds now.
2: Oh, man, that's that's yeah. terrible <laughs> um, it is but uh you know just like just getting back to the turkey out in the field like I, i've seen them you know come out and then they, they'll quiet down they'll you know feed a little bit or they'll just work across and then you know maybe they get 50 50 yards back in the timber and then you'll hear him maybe gobble twice be like you know where'd you go maybe you're down in the woods here.
3: Right, he's leaving that field and he's looking for that hen. He didn't see her out there. Yeah. He's back in the woods where he can echo that back through the timber again and he's going to let it out to try to find that hen. Yep. You know, you could probably let out that call from the other side of the field and that bird stop and look, but he knows he just comes from there and he's looked, he didn't see it. Yep. He's not going to hang around. Yeah. That'll draw caution, caution flags right out out the door for that bird.
1: Have you noticed that weather or temperature has anything to do with the amount that they gobble or respond to calls
3: well you know i always believe that to be a to be a issue in the goblin but the last few years we've actually had some very cold weather over a couple of weeks of season and face some snow i've had birds strutting and gobbling in the snow i really don't know if it's that or if it's attributed to the length of of sunlight and the length of daylight in a day where the days are getting longer
2: back to sort of how one of the days get shorter
3: it kicks the rut in for deer right i think where the days are getting longer it kind of gets those birds minds uh tilted a little bit more towards breeding than back towards food
1: yeah i could see that um last last year and the year before i killed birds it was ins- incredibly windy days and i thought the gobble was going to be low but it was actually good so i always like i said i always think weather has a problem because if you get like a warm sunny day it just seems like on the roost they're just fired yeah. up yeah or if you get oh, like yes. a cold wet day you're like you know they just don't seem like they're ready to play They hit
2: it for like 10 15 minutes maybe yeah, and then, then it's they- just once they hit the ground it's done
3: yeah well, that's so. a, you know uh, i don't know about the birds when you guys are hunting here here, rainy days where we have a lot of cow fields, a lot of cow pastures, they love after rain to get in that manure and picking that cow pasture, pick the bugs. I mean, rain here for these birds are incredible. Nice. I'd that's rather a hunt tip. a rainy, overcast day than I had a sunny day any day.
1: I hunt a lot of <laughs> cattle pasture, so that's a good tip for us yeah. to maybe yeah. maybe try that other piece that's just right down the road mm-hmm. that has the cattle on it after after a rainy day and see if that makes a difference
2: i will say my brother has pointed out to me that he's seen a lot of turkeys moving on rainy days and you know that kind of drew my attention to when it was rainy um and i i can agree with that like any time that it's been raining and I'll, i'll be hunting deer or something you know in the fall and you know even in the spring when it is rainy for some reason i just feel like that they're moving more
3: it it does seem that and you know i've I'd really like to learn more on why. Yeah, but it seems like today here in uh, Appalachia we had 35 degrees and snow blowing. I've seen birds strutting all day long. I've seen huh. birds out in the field all day yeah. long.
1: I seen a bird strutting on the way back from Missouri, and it was probably 30 and, and windy today. So they're they're thinking about it.
3: They're it's, it's on their mind. It's yeah. and I like I said, I really think it's the amount of sun shining the day the length of the days that would something make to do sense
1: you know there's got to be something that triggers them every year every after year trigger, regardless of what's the going on you know turkeys regardless. are pretty turkeys are pre- they're not like the rut where they're on or off they're, they're on and you know they're on for a while
3: so yeah no. the hens you know the hens will come in a couple of different times if a hen don't get bred you know she's going to keep on until she gets bred to start setting yeah so I've seen them chasing hens all the way into July here before. Last year, we had birds struck in July trying to follow hens and poults around.
1: Wow. That's crazy. So go so back to the mountain birds. Uh, do you guys do much decoying up there?
3: I Actually, I do do a lot of decoying. Um, like I said, we got a great population of hens here. And we're not allowed to take a hen here in the state of Tennessee anymore. They cut out hens in the fall because... The hen population was dropping in some places. I've noticed with decoying, though, know, it seems to relax the birds a little bit more. They don't seem as tense. They'll come in just to work a little bit better. They won't take as long to work, won't be so wary. So we, we have a great, great success with decoys. But at the same time, a lot of us, I like to run and gun. Once I do my initial setup, if I've not killed, I'll put my deeks away, and I'll run and gun. If you can get on the edge of a hill... Where it peeks over and call maybe just a little bit. Sometimes them birds will work on over without having to see a decoy or anything. A lot easier.
1: I like that name you said. Yeah, Deeks. De- Deeks. I like. <laughs> we're gonna trademark that. Is that all right if we start calling our decoys Deeks? That's that's a good name. <laughs> hey, man. That's great. Yeah, I, I like that. that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. We always like the catchy the nickname for stuff, and Deeks are pretty nice. People have no <laughs> idea. Right? I killed him off with a Jake Deek. <laughs>
3: yeah. Similar, like what are you talking what about, are you dude? talking about
1: man so so are you do you run any of like the full tom strut decoys or anything like that i i found my most luck with just a jake and a hen but i know a lot of people I usually are...
3: run two hens and a uh half strut jake i will carry a tail fan in my bag but i mean you, you've heard of the mojo shooting scoot the fancy rigs Mhm. I'm a poor boy. I use an old carbon arrow with an old turkey fan. Uh, bread tied to it. Had amazing success fanning up the birds on there. it. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the closest thing that I carry to a full golfer decoy is that fan and a carbon arrow.
1: Hey man, if it gets the job done, that's yeah. all it takes.
2: Yeah.
3: Hey, save a dollar turkeys are
1: turkeys are the smartest and the dumbest creatures all at one time <laughs> when they do what you want you're like man these turkeys are so dumb <laughs> when they don't do what you want you're
3: like man these things are smart as hell <laughs> you, you can educate them real damn fast I'm yeah telling you. They, they pick up on stuff you wouldn't believe them pick up on
1: so but, uh, you're in the mountain we have a buddy that hunt deer hunts mark hurley in the mountain he's always talking about fitness so i'm assuming with those birds being able to jump Bridges and stuff, and really move. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you have to be pretty physical fit to chase these mountain birds.
3: If you're going to run and gun hunt these mountains, you have to be in shape. You sometimes you're elev- you're going to be walking flat ground, or you could hit something as much as a I don't know sixty percent incline to go after these birds, and it might be a hundred yards up the hill, and it might be six hundred yards. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to expect. The air's a little thinner. So, you have, you have to keep yourself in shape, not just physically, but mentally, because you can get so stressed out by these birds, where the echo comes off the hollows and off the ridges. Yeah, that would be super challenging to, for me. You'll walk your guts out to a spot, and you'll hear him gobble 200 yards on around the ridge from where you just came from. He was right above you, echoing off of the ridge across from you, sounding like he was across the ridge. Hmm. So, I mean, you have to be in shape, and you're going to put in a lot of miles if you're going to run and gun these birds. <clears throat> I, wear, I wore a Fitbit two years ago, and we averaged about 12 miles a day running and gunning <laughs> oh, through yes. the mountains.
4: Wow. So
2: um, we, do you find yourself more successful running and gunning or on your first setup in the morning?
3: Depends on the birds I'm hunting and the time of year. If the birds have been educated and I've hunted them a few times, I usually do better running than gunning. First of the year, we usually get a setup going. First couple of hunts, the birds have not been educated to our spots where we're sitting yet. So we'll set up and usually get a bird killed or <coughs> get a shot at a bird. But then after that, it's entirely run again. gun I rarely roost a bird after the opening weekend of season.
2: Okay, yeah, that, that was going to be my next question is, you know, are you sitting in the same spots year after year where you know birds like to frequent or are you changing it up year to year or even hunt to hunt?
3: I change it up hunt to hunt. Okay. Once those birds have been jumping pressure, they might jump ridge sp- roof spots, I don't know, 200 yards, mm-hmm. half mile, a mile. You just got to be prepared to do whatever that bird's feeling like that day. Yeah, it's, it's that not – You have to know the terrain. That's where, again, where your scouting and being in shape comes in. Doing your work early. You know, you can use your scouting trips here as a tool to get in shape as your exercise for it. Take your time. Notice the terrain. Make sure that you're checking everything. Logging roads are a key. A lot of our mountains have old logging roads. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of strut zones on the side of these hills. They'll get in these flat logging roads. Use them as strut zones. So, you know, you keep to the logging roads, you can usually work your way through the mountains a lot easier, but still, yeah, you have a lot of incline and a lot of downhill um, rocks, some real slick terrain, slippery terrain. So, you have to be prepared for pretty much any situation. Later the year goes, more uh, the threat of uh, snakes come out. We mm-hmm. do deal with copperheads and rattlesnakes here in the mountains, so... I'm out. So You've got to be prepared for any situation. <laughs>
2: Uh, well, th- th- that's the nice thing about turkey hunting is there's not much prep into where you're going to be hunting. Like there is with deer, you know, you can just kind of yeah. run and gun and set up wherever you need to. Uh, are, are you finding the turkeys like to, you just said, you know, they like to use the top of them ridges as strut zones. Are you finding that they like, um, to use like a green pasture as a strut zone more than in the timber?
3: I do. Actually, it gives them more room to strut. You know, they're not going to hit them wings. They be sing a little bit better. Yet again, it's all about a show of dominance. They want they want to impress that female by that strut. That's all they're trying to do. You get them out in the field away from anything else. They're going to look like the biggest thing out there.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Of course, the females going to love them. So yeah, I find the birds strut a little bit more out in the fields here. Um, they seem to be more vocal though when they're in the timber. Exactly. And, so it's just kind of a hit and miss with that, you know. Once they get in that field, they'll usually go pretty quiet, but they'll 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 find out a lot quicker for you.
2: It just seems like whenever I always see it on TV, the turkey's out in like this alfalfa alpha, field, and it's just like perfect green grass, and and he's like you know he's got the brightest red head you ever seen on a turkey, and he's you know twelve inch beard. Just looking
1: like a boss. I only shoot two-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> hey if guys, they're older than two, I can't kill them.
3: <laughs> if every hunt was like it looked like it was on TV, everybody would be a damn turkey hunter. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. For sure. Everybody would turkey hunt on that one.
1: Yeah, I called three times, shot him right out of the roost. <laughs> That's
3: it. That well, lasted about 25 minutes, not counting the commercial time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So,
1: uh, I think we'll transition here and uh, – well, I heard from a little bird that you might be making some calls for someone. You heard from
2: one of them two-year-olds? Yeah.
1: <laughs> from a two-year-old from Texas is what I think. He's got a real short beard on him, too. He's <laughs> got a
3: big truck, though.
1: got a big truck and a real short beard. So, big uh, trucks
3: and short beards. That sounds right up my alley. Okay. Real,
1: I mean, he's got nubs for spurs, too. I mean, Nubs for spurs. <laughs> yeah. Not even
3: quite a jake yet. No,
1: right? <laughs> Just found his gobble. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Just found his gobble. He's still getting that broken gobble in there.
1: Yeah, so we heard, we heard that you uh, you might be making some calls. So let's go ahead and dig into those a little bit, and uh, and let's, let's hear them and talk about what call is.
3: Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, I've been approached uh, by VI, uh, Veterans Innovative Products this year to uh, build in a lot of mouth calls. So Matt and I put our heads together. I come up with three of my favorite calls, three of the easiest-running, pure-sounding calls that I make. Um, I'm going to start out. We got a two-read bat wing, which where I talked about the soft calling. This is that call for that soft call to get those birds. Whenever you get them in close, just to finish, just a nice closer call. Um, excuse my acoustics. We are indoors. I am on the phone. But...
1: Oh yeah, you're on a oh, phone yeah. through a soundboard <laughs> into our computer. So this is our first time ever doing turkey calling over the airwaves. So this is going to well, be this is going to be interesting.
3: Hey, national history being made here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So let's get, I'm going to give it just a small run here, maybe a 30-second bite, and uh, give you all just a little sample of the first one in the VIP line. That's our two-read bat wing. I like the purr uh, on that. It's a real, real easy to run call. It blows really smooth. It's user friendly. Anybody can use this call and get a good sound out of it. That's I important. Mean, it's <laughs> That's really what I great to learn Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next one that I've put in the line for the VIP call is our three read V and this call it can get loud. It can be soft. I just a great all around call. It's got great rasp to it. I'll uh, ooh yeah, I'll I like the raspy stuff. <clears throat> Let's get a few notes here.
1: If I can make it sound that good, I'll, I'll be, just, yeah, I'll be, I'll be in the
2: game. <laughs> I say that's what I'm trying to that's, go that's, for. That's a three d kit right there. Yeah, that three call's d gonna be cut. a heavy
3: hitter. I have a feeling. Yeah, I oh, like the I'm raspy, the raspy call. Yeah, it's
2: that sounded hey, perfect.
1: It's super cool that you have you, you have two calls there, and then you have two completely different birds. So maybe well, if you, what, you won't answer three, one. You know, then you got another one. You're like, I'll just try this one. You know, maybe he'll That's answer that. That's exactly them. right. Yeah, We'll
3: throw Little Sister in there now. This is a 3 rig ghost cut. This is the one where I like to throw in those key keys, those whistles with, the wines. It's a higher pitch call. It sounds like a younger bird. So I'm going to hit a few notes on it right quick. the three reed bat wing that we're also putting in the vip line
1: nice
2: so you said that was a ghost cut yes sir can you maybe describe what that looks like on the call
3: it's a little bit wider than a split v with the hole inside of the notch cut out
1: Mm. okay a little hole man this is some next level stuff so when you're making these calls, I mean, how many did you like run, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's terrible," <laughs> you know? I mean, I feel like it's a it's a really hard process to figure out what's good and what's not good.
3: And it really thing- is. It's uh, all an experimenting and trial and sample. You know, there's like six basic call, cuts of calls anyway. That's been in the line for years, and that would be the combo, reverse combo, split V, bat wing, ghost cut, and double cut. Well, you know those. Everybody has their own touch to it, their own pounds of pressure, the way they cut it, the way they tuck their latex. Me, I went through about five years of experimenting to get my pressure exactly where I want it, get my tuck exactly right. Then I took it to the next level and I started combining cuts to make hybrid calls to try to enhance it just a little bit to make a call worse. Somebody can't use a bat wing that well, but they can use a uh, split V really well. Well, this combines the two cuts to give them both sounds where they could use that call a lot easier than they could that one call that they couldn't get a great sound out of. They can use both now.
1: Now that's awesome, man. Shout out to you for putting the work in and, and I'm, I'm super excited to get those calls in my hand and, uh, and, and try them out. And...
3: I'm, I'm very excited to get them out there. I know that, uh, Matt is very excited about them and, uh, I know it's an honor to be working with, uh, VIP and, Having Matt you know, talk to me about the cause and giving me a chance to get my work out and uh, represent a country like Veterans Innovative Products, is it's really an honor to me.
1: Yeah, Matt's a solid dude, and uh, we can't say enough about him and Cindy and VIP, but thank you for your service also. Mm-hmm. Um, we, thank you. We always like to shout out people that have served or active duty. That means a lot to us, and uh, we want people to know that there is people out there that are, are appreciative of, of you guys that – Paid that sacrifice for us, but yeah, are, are they gonna be red, white, and blue?
3: They will be red, oh,
1: white, yes. and blue. Oh, Man, so much freedom going on out there.
3: It, crushing it. <laughs> they will be red, white, and blue. And if, uh, if turkeys couldn't right see now, red, white,
1: and, hey, and blue, I'd have a red, white, and blue shotgun just to shoot it with.
3: <laughs> there you go. I'm looking right now, I'm working to get every aspect of the color red, white, and blue, right down to the latex and the prophylactic. Nice.
1: nice. That's gonna be
2: sweet. So is there any cuts that you've tried that nobody else has done and i mean because obviously you're a very good turkey caller and i just thank you you know with you with you <clears throat> with you making calls you know i'm sure that you have wanted to put your own spin on a call so you're gonna try we
3: actually to... uh we actually have i have five out right now that nobody else has cut and uh they're my own designs i've uh took some time experimented um uh, just trial Trial and error, trial and error. I'm making right now. It's called the Banshee. It's a little bit different of a uh, P cut. It's replaced my box call. You know, I was talking about cutting the wind with a loud call.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, this is a hands-free version of a box call to get that loud call out there. Huh. We also did another call last year or a few years ago called the Plague, which is a bat wing call with a double cut, and it has really, really taken off. It uh. It's also an easy blower. It's a two-read call, but it really has backbone and blows like a three-read, gets loud, has a lot of rasp. So that's just a couple that we've come up with on our own and uh, tried to make a few new adjustments, you know, and tried to push the bar a little bit with.
2: So you said trial and error, trial and error. At what point do you just give up? Because, I mean, you're you're a very good caller. At what point are you just like, this ain't this ain't gonna happen
3: <laughs> uh, i really don't know because i've not give up on anything any of them really yet there's always going to be a way to figure out a way to cut it for sure maybe if something i'm doing wrong maybe i need to put a little bit different latex in it i'll uh, i'll weigh out every possible option that i can before i completely scrap an idea i right. think it's
1: very cool how you're talking about pounds per pressure yeah and like when i pick up a a diaphragm call i just throw up my mouth and you don't realize how much work and time and you know strategy have went into that call to make it produce that sound you just blow on it (laughs) read on the back of the pack it says say this you know and then you're like okay i'm in the game but
3: you know there's a lot more involved in it than you'd really imagine because you start out with just a metal frame a piece of tape and a few square pieces of latex that's all it is wow and you know there's i I can't take credit because there's so many other great call makers out there who've paved the way for people like me and uh, some of my other brothers that are call makers that are really really excellent call makers in themselves i mean the possibilities are endless and it's really just a great experience you know a great brotherhood to be part of the call makers
1: yeah shout out to you man that's a that's something that's super cool it's you know once you have that skill it's it's something that you're you're a craftsman you know in art and you making a product you're helping me be successful every year you know so so that that's huge i mean i i mean if i made something that made people successful that would be a super awesome feeling well
2: especially like he said you know he said a couple times you know anybody can can make this call work Mm -hmm. so i I think a lot of people are intimidated by mouth calls. Yeah. So, you know, well, that's,
3: that's what, that's what I want to do is take the, uh, expensive pricing and the intimidation of a hard to blow call mm-hmm. out of it. Every call that I put out of the shop touches my hands. Nobody cuts a call. But me. That and is, if I don't approve um, is, of it. And it gets to my wife's hands who packages the calls. It gets the double inspection because I'm pretty strict, but she, whenever it comes to it, She's about the best quality control because she's got an eye for it.
1: Nice. That's cool. You got a
2: See, backup. I'm gonna say you, teamwork. You sound like a pretty strict guy. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. You, you guys should meet my wife.
1: <laughs> That's a perfect answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably got a lot going on with my wife. It's, it's kind of the same. Yeah. kind of the same All kind right.
2: of style.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a family thing for us. Her and I are the only ones who uh, build our calls and we're we're looking uh looking forward to building these calls for vip we're just we're super excited that, that is, is very exciting man yeah
2: you know and and just like i was talking about the intimidation factor like you know i had maybe thought about doing a mouth call for you know three four years before i actually dove into it and just because i had heard you know some of these you know double double calls triple latex can get you know very time consuming trying to learn them yeah. And, you know, you don't want to go out there and your calling be the reason that you're not successful. When you could just go out there and, you know, get the old box call out and do a couple of Yelps on it. And, you know, when you've had success with it, it's hard to go against what's worked for you in the past. So I definitely like that, you know, you're trying to make these calls available for anybody to run. And one thing, yeah, one thing I
1: will say about mouth calls is if you have a bird close and you need to finish them, mouth calls is the only way, yeah. unless you have someone
3: behind you because you is. can't hands conceal free. that movement. Yeah. No hands free. I, I carry a pot call. Actually, I carry a couple of pot calls, but I don't think it's been out of my best in probably four to five years now. I've been sitting there collecting dust because, you know, for me, I, I practice with the mouth call every day, every day. And it's just become second nature. And, you know, anybody, you get that first mouth call. If you keep working with it and working with it, you're going to get the hang of it. It's just all about whenever you feel comfortable. So, I mean, I can't emphasize it enough. You know, if somebody's starting out with a mouth call or even a veteran, practice, 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 so, practice, practice.
2: So this might have been something we should have hit at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what made you want to be a call maker?
3: <laughs> well, I t- I was, it started um, when I was about 15 years old. I was bow hunting, heard my first turkey gobble. Become obsessed, uh, killed my first turkey at the age of 17. Bought a mouth call that year, and I really loved it. My dad actually bought me an old mad call maker. It was a simple plastic box where you could stretch your own mouth calls. I really enjoyed it, and I kept on making them, kept on making them. And I always wanted to be do something in the outdoor industry. Well, I got so used to making my own calls and got pretty decent at it, I, not to toot my own horn. A lot of folks started asking me to make them calls, make them calls. I took a few years, stepped away from it. And I missed it so much, I got back into it and decided to go public with it.
4: Nice. Nice, yeah.
3: Since 15, and I heard that first bird gobble, it's been in my blood. It's been oh. my passion and obsession.
1: Yeah, it's hard to get those that turkey gobble. Yeah. No. Every year I'm like, ah, turkey hunt. And then it gets close <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, turkey yeah. hunting. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it gets you pumped, you know? And it's something special. Zone. I can't I'm gonna take my wife for the first time this year. I'm excited. She's gonna be hooked. I can tell. She kind of likes deer hunting, but she doesn't like the cold weather and the waiting and not moving. So I feel like with turkey running, gunning, warmer weather, a lot more action. She's gonna, she's gonna action. have a blast. Yeah, she'll she like
3: it. She's gonna have a blast with that. Yeah. So I'm excited for We're, that. We're. Uh, I'm getting ready to introduce my six-year-old son this year. He went with me on a couple of hunts last year. We've uh, got him a 14 this year. Got him some TSS. So. Nice. the tss is bad man <laughs> <laughs> that's that uh, it, awesome it's, it's revolutionizing things for a lot of people I'm, yeah i'm not a person who shoots birds at 60 yards but uh, if it's something you want to do and you want the bird bad enough yeah this is going to allow you to do it for sure
2: so my, my dad got back into deer hunting in 94 since he you know did it as a little kid in 94 he started back up um, and then I don't know what year he started turkey hunting, but when I was, you know, 11, 12, getting that sixth, seventh grade range, when, when you start going and then you go a year yeah. and then the next year, you know, you take your hunter safety course and then you're out hunting kind of yeah. close. And then the year after that, then you're on your own. You know, if I, I'm, I'm so glad my dad did that and, you know, took me turkey hunting and, you know, I got to hear the woods light up in a, in a, a nice, foggy spring morning and, and hear everything come to life because there's not much else that can be, you know, about. Something just sexy about it, Oh, man, man dude, it's crazy I mean, when, it's... When, when the woods come to life and, you know, you got birds, not just turkeys, but just, you know, other birds, there's, you know, everything's yes. communicating and, and the sun's coming up over the hill.
3: Starting to warm up the wood's starting to warm your whole body up as it's coming up yep yep you can feel it that's so uh,
2: you know magical a, a, a turkey goblin Magic. is something that that i long for I've, I've got a really good passion for turkey hunting uh, probably a little bit more than just your average guy and it's the uh, worst
3: addiction you could ever get but the it, greatest at the same time
2: it is and uh you know there's a uh, the property that i hunt there's a there's a donkey that's next to it and on a nice cool November morning, that donkey
3: will get fired up and
2: it'll kind of get a couple of two or three turkeys fired up along with it.
3: I was going to say, I bet you that donkey triggers shot. Oh yeah, it's sweet. It is sweet. It I've, is had sweet.
1: Cow, I've had cows go to ball. Hey man, we just million dollar idea right there. Donkey call shot gobble all day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> let get me the, see what we can get yeah get the donkey <laughs>
1: call and a mouth call i'm your man <laughs> there we go
3: there we go which is you know i'm gonna throw this out there we are uh also looking at doing a little bit different line of uh, call too so predator hunters might want to keep their ears open for things that's to come
1: nice that's cool very cool
2: so are you are are you just making um, turkey calls right now? Not even, yes. not just for VIP, but just for yourself only. You're just into the turkey call line right now.
3: Just turkey calls. I I love the deer hunt. I love the duck hunt. Mm-hmm. But I know tur- I'm, I'm a turkey hunter through and through. In my obsession, passion is turkey hunting. Sure. And I think it's I important
1: don't... to stick to the stuff you love because then it's gonna <laughs> feel like work if you.
3: It very well put Yeah. very well put and yep, you... the reason I want to develop this line of predator calls as a turkey hunter that's our number one enemy is these predators that's yeah, taking out our sure. hens and our nest uh,
2: where so you're at it, there in Tennessee do you guys have any bears there I know that they're kind of close We to
3: you. we are covered in bear Ooh. we are overpopulated in bear badly we deal with a lot of bear lot I know bear. two
2: guys from Illinois to come out and wipe out a couple for you <laughs> I'll tell you what,
3: um, I actually, I've killed two, and I have no desire to kill another one, so I'd be up for it, guys. i got a guy with a cabin right up the road. Hmm. Both seasons, the best time to come. Right
1: on, man. Well... You never know what the future might hold. We yeah, got a lot right? of stuff going on right now. <laughs> Sitting on a
3: few hundred private acres.
1: <laughs> we so got a, we got kids and jobs and podcasts and I need a few hundred hours of vacation. Yeah, I, I know need. <laughs> we need more vacation time. That's what we need.
3: What is what is that word?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Vacation>.
2: <laughs> yeah. Tell me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> got to save what that for like, the rut, weeks? man. I got to take my vacation in the coldest part of the year. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. terrible. <laughs> and I don't even sleep in. No, no all right man it's been awesome it's been a pleasure guys, to talk to you and come on and uh we appreciate it. I, we know it's late out on the east coast and
3: i really appreciate it and i've really enjoyed it yeah i'm uh, glad that you guys have had me on tonight
1: yeah it's been a blast man we we uh we're super excited to get these calls and we're excited to let the the public know kind of or hear the calls for the first time uh, on the on the podcast. So that's that's very exciting for us and uh,
3: you're it was a uh, pleasure.
1: Yeah, you're very uh very skilled turkey caller and turkey maker, is it called maker uh, mm. the way it seems. So I'm excited to to get these and uh to kill a bird with them this year. That's my game plan. Kill a couple.
3: Oh, I appreciate it.
1: That was a super solid turkey episode. That was real
2: nice and since we ended the episode, we turned the heater on.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm super excited that we had John on, super knowledgeable guy, knows a lot about making turkey calls, knows a lot about turkey hunting, and it was a different turkey hunting than what we're used to, and I think what a lot of people might be used to, and if you ever want to travel to Tennessee, now you have some knowledge to, how to hunt these Tennessee birds. Tennessee
2: or probably, you know, that southeast corner of Anywhere Ohio. in the Appalachian Mountains, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I would say the mountain region, really, but, you know, just just like I tried to ask him in the episode, you know. At what point are you trying to make a new call, and then you can't get it to work? You know what I mean. Like you have faith in your skills, which I know he has skills. But at what point are you trying to like just give up on it? I mean, because that would be super hard. Yeah, being I like, in, his, in response, that position. I like was, his response though. It was it was a very good, very He's just good like response. us.
1: You don't you don't give like, up on something that you believe in. You you figure out how it works. Yes. and this. When he ran those calls, that was through a phone, through a phone, through a soundboard into a computer, <laughs> right? and they sound good. Yeah. You know, so you know. I was like,
2: that is, that's that's, yeah. the one right there.
1: Yeah. So, so. you know in, in real life they're going to sound excellent. So I cannot wait to get this line of calls in my mouth, in my mouth. I <laughs> sit in my hand on the, I know that sounds weird, but they're mouth calls. So uh, can't wait to get them in my mouth and, and start calling turkeys in. Yep. So, All right. Get out there, kill a turkey, and uh, try to leave a legacy and white till legacy's out.